0: This is Malia Brown, and I am so grateful to bring you Many Ways to Peace. Thank you for amplifying peace just by listening. Thank you for joining us once again. I'm so excited to have a friend and a practitioner in the world, Terry. Cochran. She is a lovely human being and an integrative practitioner and thought leader in nutritional counseling. And more importantly, she's a rule breaker. And she helps to eliminate the nutritional confusion that exists in the world. And we're having this conversation so that we can find out how to bring more peace into our lives with what's going on inside of our nutrition and our health. Terry, I am so excited that you're here. Thank you for being here. I'm so happy to be here sharing time with you. This is really wonderful well and I know you because I know about the Wilditarian uh, book that you've written and I know about the practice that you have in Washington DC and if you'll just tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do.
1: Sure. Well, um, as you noted, I'm an integrative practitioner and a rule breaker, and I've developed my own method called the Cochrane method, which is a really bio-individualized approach to look at health and disease. And we say there's no one health food for everyone. There's no one supplement for everyone. And even individually, your life will change based on life circumstances. So through the, the method, uh, using applied uh, kinesiology and um, biochemistry, Of course, nutrition and physics, uh, as well as anatomy and physiology, we really get to what I call the root of the root of everyone's health condition, whether it's cancer or fertility or um, uh, any type of autoimmunity or whether I'm working with one of my professional athletes and they're just trying to maximize their their, uh, performance potential. We get to what I call the true of you, which is living in your individual highest best self.
0: Wow. So the true of you means there's a part of us that we can go to when we have great health. Yes. That is really the nature of who we are. Absolutely. Oh, and I loved how you said it's like the root of the root because I think we're constantly digging for something and thinking that there's no end. So we have to keep digging. So, so what happens for people when they work with you?
1: Well, we try to graduate all of our clients uh, truthfully And within about three visits, uh, unless it's an extremely difficult, let's say end stage cancer situation, we really get people better uh, in about three visits. And it's really a transformation. And we have uh, redefined the word diet to not only include the foods that we consume, but everything we consume in our lives, our thoughts, who we hang out with, how we walk on the planet, um, how we see things. And so diet comes from deprivation, and uh, a temporary state to one of an abundance and substitution. So diet is everything we consume in life and we shouldn't have to fear it. It's just how we we exchange with everything that gives us life in life. And so in that philosophy, we really get to a very bio-individualized, very specific nutrition and supplement plan for that individual. And also if I feel like there's any mind-body techniques that need to be incorporated, Uh, neuro-linguistic programming, as we know that neural pathways can be literally shifted in real time. The work of Dr. Doe Dispenza proves it. So truly, again, you know, to your um, overall uh, overarching method of peace is I give my clients the tools where they can create peace in their bodies
0: and in their life. Wow. I think some of us think that peace is something outside of us. And so when you say that we can have it inside our bodies, that might be a new conversation. (laughs) Will you tell us some more? Sure. Well, we are
1: a superhighway of electrical conductivity. And whether it's the way that we think about life or whether there is a specific pathogen like a virus. And in many cases, these viruses are actually neurotoxic. These bacteria and these fungi, in particular candida, candida can literally shift our neurotransmission and how we use it in the body. And so we can't be at peace if we are under a, an attack on our nervous system. And thoughts, pathogens, and even physical impact can create a and unraveling of our nervous system. Today, I had a, a, a 61-year-old woman here, first time in my practice, recommended to me by one of the top uh, endocrinologists in the DC area. Specific, uh, She's a thyroid specialist. This woman had thyroid dysfunction. She had fibromyalgia. And we were able to get to the root of the root of this woman's condition. And what we found was that she had had a car accident right before everything started falling apart. And she was literally side-swapped. So Side swipe. so she didn't see it coming, and it tripped her vasovagus nerve. And the vasovagus nerves interacts with motility. It then tripped her pituitary. It then made her over over secrete adrenaline, which is the fight or flight response. And she has been in fight or flight for multiple years. And so the thyroid was really a secondary function, and the fibromyalgia was really a secondary function of an over over-enervated nervous system. She did not have peace in her body. Her body was at war with herself. But treating it, not at the root level, the thyroid hormone was helping, but that wasn't the issue. What we really needed to do was turn down the lights in her body, turn down all that electrical circuitry, which looked like a lit up Christmas tree, and then from there, we can work to
0: healing the other organs. Wow. So a lot of people, I think, are thinking to themselves, that sounds like it's pretty simple, right? We turn down the electrical impulse that's firing like a Christmas tree in our bodies. We've somehow removed a part of the toxin and the toxicity that's going on in the nervous system. And then now the body is at peace inside of its own system. Do I have that
1: right? Exactly. And what we also must be aware of is I call food the alpha and the omega. You can get everything else right, but if the food is wrong, then the food will also trip our genetics because I root a lot of my work in genetics. And if you eat a lot of, believe it or not, what might be a healthy food, let's say a lot of broccoli, and you have a genetic predisposition that was tripped by either a pathogen or even a physical impact. And now a certain genetic polymorphism or defect as we call it has been turned on and now your neurotransmission is way over firing eating broccoli can make you anxious Wow! so yeah, <laughs> yeah not for it so that's why we say there's no one health food for everyone and we really unpack it so instead of eating broccoli she's going to have squash because she can't do um spinach either because that's an oxalate and it's turning on, it's flipping her neurotransmitter in the world of dopamine metabolism. So this is how granular we get. So we aim to really listen, to find out why, and to create peace through food, through lifestyle, and through a supplementation.
0: Wow, and I I know there's a lot on your internet um, website for how you do that. So we're gonna give that opportunity to people at the end of our um, podcast here to share that with them and to help to be able to see a little bit more about you and how you got into that. So what's important here, I think, is to take somebody who actually now has had that alpha omega. The food and the body are now working together in the same place, and you you had that happen for you, and you had that happen for your family. That's exactly right. So, tell us a little bit more about your own personal transformation and what was available when you discovered this. Sure. well, i was um, I, I came to this entire
1: vocation as a result of my oldest son uh, being very ill when he was little, and was I was told he wasn't going to be normal and would have brain seizures and wouldn't grow to a normal height. And we went, I live in the metro d c area. We couldn't find a doctor that wouldn't help us get him better. And so finally, I decided I was going to be that solution seeker, uh, that health detective for my son. I had a corporate career at the time, but because I am that little ferret of getting to the root of the root, um, we figured out was how, what we were feeding him. And the fact that his endocrine system had really been uh, traumatized, he was born premature, and then he, again, neurotransmission, when you're born premature, those neuronal pathways are still trying to develop. And he was put on steroids very early on in his life. What do steroids do? They hyperstimulate the system, and so his little system was hyperenervated and his thyroid was shutting down as a result of it. His um, his adrenals were shutting down, and he wasn't he wasn't metabolizing his food. His his he was over secreting too many stress hormones, exacerbated by the steroids, which also put make us you know superheroes, but they really in the end. Um, they they short circuit us, and so um, through my through my research, I I realized that when we changed his food and we just we supported his endocrine system rather than try to hyperstimulate it, things started really shifting dramatically. And so uh, several years later, I left my career, went back to school, started my practice, um, and then you know fast forward almost fifteen years later. I have a, a wonderful gift of being able to help see the transformation of so many. Um, so my daughter was also became very ill through uh, unfortunately medical error, and I'm not anti doctor at all. I work with some of the best doctors in the in the area and beyond, but I get frustrated when doctors uh, forget their Hippocratic oath and uh, use a prescription pad instead of their minds to try to solve a situation.
0: And that is a good point. So I mean, you have a healthy daughter and you have a healthy son and yet they didn't maybe in physical appearance look that way when they were going through their lives and trying to grow up, you know, and I think what's really interesting about what you said is, you know, using your mind, right? You mentioned how you're a bit of a ferret and kind of exploring to the root of the root of the problem and using your mind to do that. And so you're also helping the other person to tap into what is inside of them. Is that right? Absolutely,
1: because we all have the true of you inside of us. It's sometimes it's been it's been erased, or it's become numb, or we have forgotten it. It has amnesia, and so we try to reawaken that truth within us, which really has the infinite intelligence of everything that we we need to know. And I help people remember, bring them out of the amnesia of this innate, brilliant body intelligence, and I help to translate. Uh, what their body is saying, and then I help give them the tools for them to become their own body interpreter.
0: Wow. So what's a tool that you might use every day in your life that creates a bigger peaceful world for your body and then your mind, and the one that you might also give to the people that you're working with? Well, you know, it's really
1: interesting. What I have, the research that I have found is that the emotion of gratitude has the highest vibrational capacity, higher than love. And studies out of University of Pennsylvania, the studies just keep pouring in and out of many more um, academia, is that when we entertain positive thoughts, peace flows peace through our body because we are realigned with our neurology. And all of those neurotransmitters that are overfiring will stop the overfiring and our natural innate patterning will reestablish itself. I believe that we are a circuit of patterns, a a superhighway of patterns and circuits, and that circuit needs to be completed. When the circuit is broken is then we start looping, trying to find the answer. And we lose ourselves in trying to find the answer because we don't know how to bring that circuit back to completion. And so through food, through supplementation, through how we perceive our day, because our literally our neurology and our immunology can shift through the way that we think. if we think negative thought patterns, it, the the study showed that we can reduce our immunology for up to fifty percent for up to five hours, and the 180 degree polarity is true. we can do conversely the opposite if we entertain positive loving thoughts, gratitude being the highest of them. So I try to remind myself uh, of all the wonderful things I be, I coexist with in my daily uh, presence on this planet. And I am grateful for them. And it can be, it can be as small as I, I received a text from somebody today that sent me a little snippet of a bug's life. And it was about looking into the light and it was so bright and that made me laugh. And I was so grateful that he reminded me of this movie that I shared with my children. And that scene specifically, really touched me because it was one of my favorite scenes in the movie so I was so grateful for this individual to bring laughter into a very otherwise very busy day Um, and I I thanked them for that.
0: That's great and gratitude as a practice can be that simple that something comes along your path and you're just grateful for that moment or grateful for that belly roll and I know there was a time in my life when I literally couldn't find my way out of, you know, kind of a deep place, a dark place and that's all I did was put pen to paper on a daily basis and be grateful for, you know, either getting out of bed or taking a shower or and that gratitude journal evolved over time and now it's so full and abundant but at the beginning, you know, we kind of have to find just the breath of life to be grateful, you know, grateful for or Absolutely. And when we're stuck
1: in old patterning, there is a deep inertia to move away from the concrete. <laughs> um, and so it is breaking that inertia that is the first and possibly the hardest step because we are programmed to be less than the other. Um, and it creates, it, it requires a literal reprogramming to shift away from what is known what is
0: common what is even comfortable in a very uncomfortable way okay so my brain just went wait a minute what's comfortable in an uncomfortable way that i might be thinking about that if i thought about it from gratitude so help me think that one through for a minute okay so um
1: being afraid to make a change i'm comfortable in the less than comfortable state i am boy i really don't feel well i have you know my stomach hurts every morning um but i'm living to live with that discomfort because i'm comfortable in this discomfort because it might be more uncomfortable for me to try to discern why i have the stomach ache every day
0: yeah but that's a great point right you've had a stomach ache so long that it's if you had to go through the tasks or the um, uncovering the detective work, it, it might be uncomfortable. It's not necessarily going to be, but we play a little bit of a trick on ourselves, and think that our current discomfort, because we've had it so long, is actually the least of the discomfort. Exactly. You, you said it exactly right. We make certain
1: assumptions and those assumptions are limiting beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, and our limiting beliefs keep
0: us from moving away from the true of the true of us, the true of you. Hmm. Wow! So that's an interesting, powerful practice—the practice of gratitude. A wonderful, true of you, true line, right? <laughs> yes. In to is is that um, something that you kind of prescribe for yourself? Is there a certain number of gratitudes you look for in a day, or that you're striving for? Yes.
1: Uh, I, when I, I have a nourishment and abundance journal that um, I share with uh, many of my clients and uh think happy thoughts and we i ask for five a day uh happy great, grateful thoughts so i believe the reason why 5 is 5 is a sacred number it comes from comes from the old testament um from um you know the the the, the book of solomon um the ark of the covenant Five is sacred, the Star of David. Uh, and I'm—I I don't ascribe to any one religion, but just speaking to that, I, I really like—I I like the power of five. The Star Chamber is five, and so five happy thoughts.
0: Got it. Five happy thoughts. I was yes. thinking there were five happy dwarfs, but there was only one. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the rest were grumpy or sleepy or <laughs> something else. That's pretty great. I don't know why they didn't have a gratitude dwarf. Now that I think about it. That might have been a really great dwarf. I really like that idea. I think we should we should strive for uh,
1: uh, Snow White take two, and we we add a dwarf. <laughs> grateful. <laughs> Call him Grateful.
0: <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Well, so. Sherry, you and I share fun. And one of the fun practices I think that we share is this, you know, practice of looking at life like a gift or looking at what comes your way as a gift an opportunity. And even if it's uncomfortable, that that's a gift too.
1: Absolutely. And this is something that I am still evolving in the practice of trying to find the kernel of good Mm -hmm. and trying to be grateful for whatever that is. And so what I now uh, share with my clients is instead of going to the end game uh boy that was really a negative fill in the blank negative uh, thought let's just be, what i ask them to do is be curious about it so don't make you know don't make an assertion negatively or positively about it just be curious Hmm, what might that mean for me what is it trying to tell me what is it? what am I seeing that I may not want to see? what am I seeing that I might not not have seen before, but now I'm ready to at least take a peek at it um, and so really just being in that state of curiosity because it doesn't commit us to any one side or the other
0: Well, so there's an opening in mindset right there is you know we're not nobody's saying that you even have to. Venture on the path to peace to get peace. You just have to stay curious about where these thoughts might lead and if there's another set of open thoughts that you could have that might lead you down a different path. And there's no end game, as you said. It's just you're kind of walking the path inside of the mind and curiosity and you're looking, you're peeking. I love the way that you said that. It's just great. Thank you. Well, you know,
1: sometimes it's too big to take the full view, Mm. it can be blinding. And that way, that's when we turn our backs. And mm. so peaks are, they digestible. <laughs> no pun intended. Right.
0: <laughs> but that's a great point that, you know, that I love that saying, how do you eat an elephant? You know, and forgive me for using this uh, vernacular and common analogy. And I know there's a lot of people that don't eat elephants. I don't eat elephants. <laughs> but, you know, the, the point to the story is... You know, you you have to take one bite at a time. Absolutely. And really, we know even in nutrition and digestion, you have to take one bite at a time.
1: Yes. And that bite has to be chewed upon. It has to be masticated. It has to be milled, turned into something else, digested. So before we can digest and assimilate and transform, we got to move through the process of that transformation, which takes time and work. Our muscles, we chew, the average person should chew each bite 30 times. That's a lot. of. Can you imagine how many bites, if we really were going through the, the optimal digestion process of mastication, we would be using our jaw millions of times a day. <laughs> a lot of work. A lot of work in digestion.
0: And that's just in the mouth. Well, and it's kind of no coincidence that we're using doing all this talking as kind of a preparatory activity for chewing, and we don't think about how that's, you know, encouraging the muscles to develop and to have a better ability to help with our digestion. Absolutely, and it's the the body is so brilliant. Again, when we
1: see something, we actually start salivating, and the biochemical response and reason for that is. There are digestive enzymes in saliva. And so the digestion starts when we first see something, you know, and it's, but we have to be able to see it, right? So we can't digest anything, whether it's a thought or an opinion. Uh, before we start, sal- you know, before we start salivating, we have to be able to look at it or at least sense it in some way. If we can't see it, we have to use our other, se- uh, other senses. We have to touch it. We have to hear it. We have to smell it. But we have to have that catalyst to start the salivary glands operating. And so in finding peace, the same thing. Sometimes we may not be able to see it, but we feel it, we hear it, we sense it, we smell it. And that gives us the first entree into how might I digest this new idea and foray into bringing a change of positive, a a healing change into myself, my community, my planet, because ultimately we all we seek I believe we seek two big things in life. Love to make that circuit complete and peace to bring that neurological balance back into our physical, our emotional, and our spiritual bodies.
0: Hmm. Well, and you brought up something for me that I didn't really think I was gonna share on this podcast or ever, but I just wanna I mentioned it, you know, in, in 2005, I was diagnosed with um, a life-threatening brain condition. And so I went on kind of an integrative wellness, deep dive for myself, you know, ferreting out what would be, for me, the best way to go. And my doctor told me that, you know, he, he said, you know, you need to have brain surgery right away. And, and I said, okay, I got that, right? And I'm not recommending this for anybody, I'm just stating my story here that I said, okay, and then I went home, and I started to digest the actual news, you know, and conceptually up front, it was extremely arresting, it was more than a woman at my age, in my 20s, wanted to handle, could handle, all that, and I just had to kind of wrap my head around it a little bit, and kind of begin the digestion process of just the information coming in, just having to say, okay, well, now there's something here that I didn't know was here. It wasn't expressing itself in my body in any way. It wasn't physically looking at me and saying, "Hey, you need to do something about this." It just was a fluke, you know. I call it my happy chance. I love that. Yeah, and and so in so many ways, it became a gift, you know, having this issue um, to take a look at. And and what's even weirder is after many years. Um, I ended up having the brain surgery, and when I got out of the brain surgery, I had developed a relationship with my body enough that somebody asked me after coming out of ICU a couple of days later, well, what would you like to eat? And I said, oh, I would like some chips, you know, some tortilla chips. And I had, up until that point in my life, I never ate tortilla chips. I didn't know. <laughs> And there I was eating these tortilla chips and I went back for my checkup two weeks later and the neurologist said, well, how you doing? And I said, well, I'm fantastic. You know, I'm great. And this is working out really well. And he said, well, aren't you sore? And I said, sore? What are you talking about? And he said, well, we, you know, we move the muscle that goes behind your ear here. Wow. So that we could do the brain surgery. And, and everybody who's had the same thing that you have um, has, is always sore. I said, well, I'm not sore at all. And he said, well, I don't, I don't get it. I said, well, I don't know. Somehow, three days later, I started eating tortilla chips, and there I was oh. flexing my mouth muscle. There you go. That. And if I, I don't know that had I not been prepared in my body with that mind-body connection, had it turned out that way.
1: That is a beautiful story. So your body innately knew, chew, yeah. chew, chew, chew. And what's the hardest thing to chew a tortilla chip? Yeah. So that is, that's just truly being that, being connected. Yeah. That's what's wonderful.
0: Well, yeah. And I I love that we don't really always know what the connection is, but if we're willing to listen, there is value there for us.
1: Always valuable.
0: On, right. Yes. And even if we
1: don't understand it, so it's the, so there's the brain that is the cognitive engine. Yeah. And then there is the mind that is the wise master and so we don't always have to know to know um there's, a, there's an intellectual knowledge and then there's a deeper knowing. The deeper knowing, I believe, is the mind and the intellectual knowledge is everything, the, the body of, of, of information that accumulates that we create neurological synapses and, and uh, circuitry to be informed on uh, whatever, you know, whether it's tortilla chips or uh, um, the glyphosate that comes from Roundup. Um, that's, you know, that's intellectual knowledge, but it's truly that mind that creates that beautiful, wise self.
0: Yeah, well, and I it's kind of an interesting conversation to have to say, well, oh, you could you could go into this integrative practice where you look at your body and your mind as one complete circuit, as you keep saying, or you could keep them separate, it's your choice, you know. And here's what's available when you look at them as a complete circuit there is actually wholeness, there is curiosity, there is the chance to look for the good, and then actually, maybe even have it realized in your world. I mean, to come through brain surgery and nobody's the wiser, that's pretty darn great. Like I, I want that for everyone who's ever been diagnosed with something life-threatening. I want them to have an experience where they say, you know, oh, that was, that was a time in my life. And I'm so grateful for that time.
1: Absolutely. And, yeah.
0: Absolutely. What
1: a beautiful story. And I, last year I had a life-threatening situation. Um, I call it my period of animated suspension, <laughs> uh, because I had to freeze frame my life. Uh, multiple viruses, uh, multiple bacteria. I went, I had a brain damage, liver damage, ner- neurological damage. Um, but and I now was following the intellectual patterning from you know the the medical community, and somehow my mind, luckily, said, uh, "Let's take a let's take a pause here. And what do you really know?" and what i really knew was that the antibacterials and the steroids and the ivs and all of that that they were giving me were really not the root 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 cause it was viruses and the viruses needed antivirals they didn't need antibacterials and so when i when i was able to connect the mind and the intellect i defied medical conventions and got better within weeks where i had been really, really ill for, for multiple months. And I was told very, you know, less than 20% chance, I'm going to make it. So, and the beautiful thing is again, much similar to you. I have very little, if no vestiges of what was who I was. And it was so funny. I, I just went to New York city and I bought these beautiful yellow, yellow shoes that are uh, suede. Uh, Cause I want to make a statement uh, in my summer, summer self. <laughs> and I was teasing with one of my staff members. I said, last year, I was this color because <laughs> my liver was so damaged. And this year I wear wow. it, you know, I wear it in a powerful way. I, I've stepped into this power. Um, and what a beautiful gift of looking at this period of a, uh, animated suspension truly a gift in my life, because it's allowed me to then go back to my intellectual self and dig deeply into the why, and I have been able to now help many, many of my clients with very complex issues because of what I went through.
0: Yeah, and there is that kernel of good in everything, as you mentioned. I mean, it doesn't take too much to look for it on the outside. That hindsight is twenty twenty when you're in it. There is a part of you that doesn't want to look at all, you know, for self-pity or, you know, whatever's happening. People, I I remember thinking, and maybe you had this too, when you're diagnosed with something like that, the people around you look at you in terror. They really think that you could check out at any time. And how do we speak to what those people are experiencing while their loved ones are having a traumatic
1: experience? Well, that's a really great question. And actually, my mother happened to be with me when I received the diagnosis of you ain't going to make it Mm -hmm. uh, or very little chance. And what really went through my body, the electrical charge was what, what did she, she just hear? Not what did I hear? Yeah. Yeah. Because I was going to figure it out on some level, but it was, how was it affecting her? And I really believe that that had the most impact in that, you know, real time for me. Um, and she then had to be my caregiver for, you know, for, for, for a bit, uh, as I was, I was, as I was recovering. And so it, it is, it's difficult on, on the others, but again, I had in my mom and I, who have always been very close, actually became even much closer through this process because in that time I had to, she was so afraid that she wasn't giving me the space that I needed to heal. And I had to be very frank with her. I'm like, I need some space here. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I need some space and I know you're afraid. I know you're afraid. I'm afraid too, but I'm going to surrender to what is, and I need you to hold the space for me. And so it actually allowed her to release fear too. So it was really, it was really a, a gift for both of us truly
0: yeah, I'm laughing, not because of you, but because I just thought of my own dad and a similar conversation, you know, and it is like that for anybody who's been there, like we're, we're thinking to ourselves, well, you know, I know that it's going to impact you and it already is because maybe you're our caretaker or, you know, maybe you're thinking about a potential loss that you could experience down the road. And then there's a moment of where we take a deep breath and we go, okay, and now I'm still here. I'm right in front of you. And actually, I'm going to need you to take some space Yes. knowing you don't have to come on, you know, claustrophobic or cure this for me. What I need right. you is to hold the love that you have for me and the vitality of who you know I am and, and hold that as a part of our relationship. You know that it's all gonna. It's gonna get. We're gonna get through this, and it's gonna do it together. But you're not gonna do it sitting on top of my head, making sure I don't go out and catch a cold in the meantime or something else, right? Absolutely, and it's and for them, it really gives them an opportunity to breathe. Yeah, and it's like oh,
1: they feel like oh, okay, Oh, I've been given permission as a caregiver to care less, <laughs> but care more, but to 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 provide more, right? Yeah, uh, and to be you know to be carefree, rat you know r- rather than on top. So,
0: um, indeed. I remember saying to my dad after one of the neurology appointments, I said, we all sat. this is my mother and my father and my best friend and I, and we're sitting at dinner and we're absorbing this, you know, neurology appointment. It's been five years since I've not had the surgery, but I need to have the surgery according to everyone. And I just remember as we sat down at the table, I just looked at everyone and I said, look, I just need to make a statement here. I'd love to talk with it. What just happened with everybody about this, but I just want you to know if it's not fun, I'm not going to talk at all. And I remember making that statement and just thinking, at least I said it. And and then we started dinner and kind of the topic of conversation went away from the neurologist appointment. And then my dad had this kind of <clears throat> in his throat and I thought, Oh, here it comes. Something's coming. And the, the three of us looked up at my father, and he had an orange rind in his teeth, a <laughs> giant smile, and he said, "Okay, so now can we talk about it?" And he was right. You know, he he honored my listening of my fun request, and yes, by by helping me to see that we could talk from a fun place was great. It Absolutely,
1: just- it, it, that ultimately, I think, space. It's what's necessary for peace. Mm -hmm. However, that peace comes into your life because when there's not enough space, nothing else can come in.
0: That's a good point.
1: We have to create the space, whether it's a space where we have to just remove fear and just put in nothing for now, but nothing else can come in if something is filling its space. And whether it's fear or hatred or bigotry or uh, lack of information, confusion, when that's filled, you can't have you can't have the other
0: you can't have the other yeah gosh that is so great well that brings me to you know what are you learning about peace inside of space i mean i know as a mother you learned how to create space as an integrative practitioner you've learned how to create space how do you hold that for your clients to create a space for them
1: well you know that's a really great question And I do it every hour of the day with every one of my clients. I have hour visits. And what I do is I create and hold the space for them to feel safe, Mm. to feel hope, to listen because their bodies are giving them feedback. And in that space, even though on a conscious level, and they may not have the intellectual knowledge, this is where the mind comes in again. That higher intelligence, that body brilliance comes in. And I explain, I'm a big explainer, I'm a big educator. And what I tell them is, You may not understand what I'm saying, but your cells on a higher level, on a higher, brilliant, infinite level, your mind, your, your cells, your cell membrane, which is now where the higher intelligence is of the cell not the nucleus recognize it. And they're, they're happy. They're like, somebody gets this. Yay. Yay. And it's, that's the start of healing.
0: Mm. So I hear you saying that in some way you just let them come back to themselves unless you said that amnesia, but it's not like they have amnesia and need to be reminded of it. It's almost like we've all forgotten to talk about it. And so it's like, oh, what a relief. Someone's talking about this. Exactly. And it's literally
1: what I call a remembering Mm -hmm. because our DNA holds infinite intelligence from multiple generations before and possibly multiple, multiple generations beyond. We know that time is just space. So as, as we continue to evolve in our scientific discovery, we may know that there is no before and after because it's all happening now. Mm. Um, but in the DNA, there's so much information, brilliant, deep information, which is the, the the blueprinting of who we are. Our divine blueprint is in our DNA helix. And so when we speak to the body in a way that actually awakens it to remembering which is what it was supposed to be doing but it got pattern interrupted then the body goes oh yeah i think i remember what i'm supposed to do and then we give the body the nutrients the food the mindset to start becoming facile in that language of remembering again
0: Hmm. wow Yeah, such a lovely way of looking at life and experiencing life and the fact that it's worked for you and it's worked for me and it's worked for other clients. You know, this, I think it helps for other people to see that it's available. You know, we're not saying this is the only way, but we're certainly saying take a peek. Take a peek at this way and see if there's something here for you.
1: Absolutely. And again, integration is, is the key. Uh, Whether you work with an integrative oncologist or brain surgeon or gastroenterologist or psychologist or Reiki master or shaman, you know, the list can go on and on. Integration is what builds stronger
0: paths. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the integration of the mind and the body, as you said, the whole part of you as a person. Is that what we're integrating?
1: Indeed. I mean, we're integrating even beyond the beyond, I believe. Uh, we yet don't know the power of our thoughts, you know, and in, in integrating how the thoughts can actually, when you think of someone and then 20, 20 seconds later, they text you. That's, that's thought integration on a scale that we haven't yet proven scientifically, but we know that it's not just coincidence. And so as we continue to integrate, and that's why collectively, in order to establish peace, whether it's within or beyond is that we collectively have to go back to that place of gratitude to raise that vibration so we can collectively be
0: grateful for being (laughs) as human beings. (laughs) Mm. You know, so many people talk about the present moment and the power of now, but I think you just reframed it, right? Which is the, the gratitude of the beingness of a human. We are literally here, and that's a special thing to address and to wake up and get that that breath of life is special. It is. well and I, I, I don't know if the, if it's the closer that you get to a um, an impact experience, you know, where somebody tells you, hey, your your life could be over tomorrow." I don't want people to have to go down that whole path to get that, that a breath of life is that special.
1: I love that. And that's the remembering, the remembering that, that every time we take in oxygen, it creates this miraculous transformation of billions of cellular functions, independent cellular functions that allows us to walk and think and breathe and eat and digest and really detoxify we take it for granted because we just do it but if we really stop to think about the billions of little things happening every millisecond within our brilliant body machine we have to bow down to that how how magnificent is that and so i just you know i offer to the listeners every time they're having you know a less than day just think about all the miracles that are happening every nanosecond within them and be grateful for it.
0: Mm. That is so lovely. So I would like for all of us to consider what matters to you the most in the next 10 years from now in the world. What would a really peaceful world look like for you? Well, a peaceful world for me
1: would look like understanding, removing, or at least putting pausing judgment Curiosity to be ever seeking a greater understanding of whatever that might be, and that opinions can change when we are static in any one thought process, we interrupt the flow of greater knowing. And so, understand to kind of letting go of what we know to invite what we don't know into our knowing, so what we know might in some way, metamorphosized to something greater in the knowing.
0: Ooh, that was beautiful. I could feel my own self kind of expanding, getting bigger, as you said it. That was really great. And I I think as a solution seeker, many of us want that greater expansion. We want to have a grander, grander knowledge, but we haven't actually looked at the fact that we might need to pause some of our thinking to experience greater one of my greatest teachers
1: who was my medical mentor told me terry stop thinking
0: mm-hmm. yeah stop thinking start feeling gratitude mm-hmm. start mm-hmm. breathing yeah oh Wow. Well, I'd love to go on with you. And I know you're a busy woman. So please tell people where they can find you in the future. And thank you so much for being here, for sharing your infinite wisdom. It's just a special, special interview. Thank you. Thank you. My great pleasure. I feel the same way. So grateful to be in your
1: space. Well, you can find me at uh, TerryCochran.com. T-E-R-I Cochran, dot ecom And my uh, book, The Wild Wilditarian Diet, Living as Nature Intended, is available on Amazon, both in hard copy and in Kindle.
0: Wonderful. All right. Well, we'll be following you in the future and listening. And I know that you spend a lot of time with the great minds of the world. So we're going to be seeing you in uh, more places where you're getting your message through to other people. So thank you for all that you do. Thank you. If you would like more information, please visit our website, at peaceamplified.com. May you have peace in your heart, peace in your community, and peace in your world.